Welcome to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. I've decided something, Sebastian. I haven't told you this yet. Yeah, you know, I saw a, I saw, a, I mean, it's the discourse has been all over the place about trans rights, this, trans rights, that. Uh, it's bubbling up in Alberta. A social conservative value has been uh, adopted by the uh, the Conservative Party out in Alberta. And a part of me is like, you know what? Do I want to keep adding oxygen to what is a social uh, culture war debate at the moment? You know, there was a recent uh, survey, only about 3,000 people surveyed. So it's not huge, not super indicative. But in the UK, only about one in a hundred people thought that trans issues was even remotely relevant at the ballot box. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not a thing. So I am going to not talk about trans stuff unless it's good news. I think that's I'm taking the oxygen out of the fire. That's that's my decision. Well, also the the number of things where you know, people are running around as if their hair is on fire because something may or may not be possibly happening, it seems, in four to eight months, uh, given the following conditions are met, and then it might have the following implications, depending on how the law is written. Like, yeah. that's that's not a story. <laughs> that's not news. Yeah, granted, you know, if something, any law, really, I mean, it, it could, uh, you know, it could either, it could even be like, I don't know, taxation of imports on on Pacific Coast ports for all I care. Um, a bad policy needs to be reviewed. That's just a fact. And if there's bad policies on the paper, uh, on the on the books, uh, then you should probably look into it and say, that looks like a bad policy. I should tell my local representative that it looks like a bad policy. But I until it's in play, and until you see the exact wording, because this has been an issue that you and I have run into over the past, especially over the past mm. four years, some law people are freaking out about it and then you read the exact wording and you're like okay it's not that bad i could see some government official or police officer or judge it depends on what the law is and at what level it's applied some dumb dumb failing to interpret it properly because it's a little bit vaguely worded but fundamentally it's not that bad everyone needs to calm down and I think we need to cool it on some of those stories of like, oh no, what what could possibly be maybe happening, perhaps. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong; there has been some seismic changes. You know, the been fact a few, that the Saskatchewan yeah. government rolled out the notwithstanding clause mm-hmm. in defiance of the charter just to be able to out trans students. You know that that is definitely newsworthy mm-hmm. you know but the fact that a conservative party adopted a socially conservative motion mm-hmm. you know the sky still blue and the popes of Hathlick, you know like there is <laughs> there are some things which are just uh expected you know mm-hmm. what i mean did i expect conservatives to be socially conservative yeah yeah i did that was yeah. that was my reasonable assumption yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it can happen yeah i don't know it's fine so, yeah, as I was saying, conservatives being conservative is not uh, a shock. We are going to talk about the gay games mm-hmm. uh, in, in a little bit, which apparently yep. includes Mahjong. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, But before we dive into that, I was telling you that uh, I was digging through some old memory sticks of mine. Now, we are... I am of an age, you're, you're a hair older than me, which most mm-hmm. people tend to forget and not know. Mm-hmm. But I was of the age when it was first year university, so 
on residence. Uh, Carlton was a huge fan of this at mm-hmm. uh, the university when LimeWire really became a thing. Okay. I'm not admitting uh, to public broadcast that I torrented, uh, you know, copyrighted materials. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a private collection of movies that are LGBTQ themed mm-hmm. because in my in my younger days uh, at uni, I was like, you know, you're coming out, you're learning about uh, yourself and about queer history, queer culture. And I just dove into... Um, just queer media that was available at the time. And there mm-hmm. are certain movies that I think are um, should be mandatory viewing for queer folks of every generation. Mm-hmm. And is there is there something that you feel should be mandatory viewing for queer folks of every generation? Oh, man. I mean, I would be going back to uh, I would include a couple of movies that were made before even I was born, believe it or not. Uh, you know, back when when movies were made by by painting on animals and getting them to run past you real fast. Um, and uh, not necessarily for the reasons you might think. Uh, one of them being Pink Flamingos, mm-hmm. which a uh, little. Have you ever seen Pink Flamingos? I think so. Yeah. I don't think you have. I think you would know. Isn't you it John Waters? It is John Waters' movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About um, three people who are competing to get the title of the most disgusting person alive. You don't remember this? I've seen one of the John Waters movies, and although it, you know, it was probably Waters... Hairspray, which is very family friendly. No, no. I mean, no, if you want no. to get I've into the seen family Hairspray, friendly... but that's okay. not. It, it had Divine in it. I think we oh. watched it. Yeah, it had Divine. Yeah. Well, Divine, I mean, yeah, that would be Pink Flamingos. That would be Female Trouble, or that would be... It uh, might have been Female Trouble. The one with the yeah. cha-cha heels and the one where she had a, a mohawk at the end of it? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she now, Divine famously yeah. was the inspiration behind Ursula mm-hmm. uh, as the, uh, the depiction in the original mm-hmm. animated Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the reason why I would choose um, John Waters in general and uh, Pink Flamingos in specific was uh, John Waters was sort of the, the I guess you could say like the flag bearer for subversive queer art for mm. decades. Uh, these days, subversive queer art is so common that I would almost say that it's subversive to be a little bit conservative. Like if you have like a, a family about a movie about like a gay man who marries another gay man, and then they adopt a child and start a family in the suburbs, like that would be the subversive one. Cause you don't see a lot of that in, 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 in anything these days, but definitely back in the sixties during the clutch, the pearls era and uh, right on the tail of McCarthyism. Uh, the there was this strong focus on making movie, uh, yeah, making movies that sort of undermined expectations and undermined values. Not necessarily to say your values are wrong, but rather to get you to think about them. Even if you just double down on them, that's fine. The John Waters wasn't out there to get you to change your mind. He was out there to get you to really think about why you believe what you believe. And if you end up coming to the same conclusion, that's your business. That's fine. He was very much into that. Like you can, you can hate my movies. You can hate everything they represent. You can come out more conservative than you went in. That's fine. So long as you thought about it. 
And I thought that that that's a that's an important thing for all of us to do every so often, really sit down and think, why do I believe what I believe and why is it important mm-hmm. to me? And can I question that? And if I do question that, what comes out of it? And blah, blah, blah. And, and I think Pink Flamingos was sort of like the, the classic film that went into that. It reminds me of there's definitely a history of kind of pushing the 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 envelope. I'm looking at a, a, my my collection here and there's some. I mean, first of all, the the AIDS epidemic had a massive cultural impact oh, yeah. on the queer community, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know it impacted entire generations. So mm-hmm. there's an excellent uh, live action movie make of Angels in America. It's it's mm-hmm. a long play, and it I believe the movie is in two parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but Angels in America is a bit, and then Philadelphia, 1993, Philadelphia. Yep. You know, iconic in terms of um, portrayal of yep. the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. Well, Philadelphia also got society in general to start caring about AIDS. Nobody cared about AIDS. I'm, I'm not going to say nobody cared about AIDS until Philadelphia. That That's a bit heavy handed. But a lot of people just saw it as this like gay disease that that horny uh, club sex types of guys got. And then just this idea that. You really just need to have sex with one person one time and the condom breaks, even if you are careful. And uh, as much as it is really difficult to get, it's a you know law, law of large numbers. You could be mm-hmm. the one who gets it from that one encounter. And that, that's not a bad reflection on you. That's just that's just how these things happen. And the fact that they got, you know, America's uncle vis-a-vis Tom Hanks yeah, to, to actually play the titular character. Well, not titular, uh, the, the main character in Philadelphia. That also helped a great deal because here you have a very sympathetic actor at the height of his game. And yeah, just it, it really, it drew a lot of attention, got a lot of people to pay attention to it. But I think we saw that all the way through to like the mid 20 teens. You know, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of the Danish girl with Eddie Redmayne playing the, um, the sort of that was a, a throwback in history towards mm-hmm. some of the first uh, trans surgeries out of Denmark. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then we've also got, um, oh, Robin Williams in The Birdcage. Oh, yeah. You know, Absolutely. And then, um, oh my God, what's his name? Jimmy Carr, not Jimmy Carr. Who is that? I'm forgetting the name of the Canadian comedian. Uh, Jim Carrey. There we go. Mm. Uh, and he was in, I want to say, F- I Love You, Philip Morris. Yes. Yes. With uh, Ewan McGregor. Yeah. So yes. there's there's been, a, you know, Dallas Bias. He is bisexual, clubs. yeah. Yeah. The Dallas Bias Club had, um, uh, what's his name? Mm-hmm other guy whose name i forget i'm really good at this i should uh, do film critique because i can't remember anybody's name i mean another movie that would definitely come up uh that has come up many times is uh torch song trilogy mm. with uh harvey feinstein in it gotta get the 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 steens right harvey feinstein yeah. and it is a wholesome story about basically just like a, a a gay man and the love of his life and and getting married and adopting a child and living in New York and and you know he was both the mother and the father at the same time because I don't know if you've ever well Harvey Feinstein is the guy in uh, Independence Day who's like I need to call my mother so you'd you'd probably know who that guy is uh, but it was it was a very wholesome movie and it was fairly well received actually at the time and it is this nice movie nobody dies of HIV. Uh, somebody does die but they die of a car accident um sort of like um 
Graham Chapman was the, a lot of people didn't know this. He was the gay member of Monty Python. Oh, but he, he did die himself though. He, he died in the eighties, but also not of HIV. He died of lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Where he was uh, a prolific smoker as well. Prolific smoker. And actually quite famously, you can look up, um, there's videos online of his obituary and John Cleese was the first person to get up and give a speech about Graham Chapman, and he just roasted the hell out of him. And everybody else, you could see them in the audience scribbling notes because they changed it from a memorial service to a roasting. Very Monty Python. I think that there are a range of gay movies, though, that I think touch on stories outside of HIV AIDS. Yes, and uh hookup culture and 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 clubbing and and there are a lot of of movies about partying and and you know that sort of like queer experience but pardon i said sordid lives is one of them maybe maybe in 99 oh yes okay um i see where you're going Yeah, yeah 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 for sure um and and uh, something you said earlier about you know the the must watch movies. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody must watch anything. I, I think I, that's yes, but I think that the, there are certain movies that round out queer. Not for example, any. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of queer folks have seen Chicago. Uh, sorry, Cabaret. Okay. Uh, written by Christopher Isherwood. Uh, but he also wrote what was then became, uh, he wrote A Single Man. It was sort of uh, semi-autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Um, no, sorry, Cabaret was semi-autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Single Man had Colin Firth and Nicholas Holt in it. Fantastic 2008 queer movie. But mm-hmm. also Christopher and His Kind, which was a biopic about Christopher Isherwood, had Matt Smith, I think he's the 12th or 13th Doctor Who, mm-hmm. uh, playing the title character of Christopher Isherwood. So, yeah, I mean, I think from a queer lens, you know, knowing about Cabaret and the 1950s queer culture in Berlin, mm-hmm. but sort of stepping out outside that, when you bring in a single man, sort of looking at that post-war 70s uh, queer environment, and then you look at Christopher Isherwood, uh, sorry, Christopher and his kind, you really mm-hmm. get a sense of the bigger picture here. And that's that's sort of what I'm saying about that. There are certain elements um, in terms of movies that I think mm-hmm. do a lot of heavy lifting in terms of capturing queer history you know but i'm a cheerleader mm-hmm. this iconic lesbian movie you know yes, what i mean of course yes um and i always tell everyone to watch prayers for bobby which is really about the funda- founding of the uh p flag parents and friends uh for lesbians and gays um but yeah you know i think that there are definitely definitely movies that are um just excellent that people should watch for sure. There's also that sort of phenomenon of uh, it, it doesn't have a name, but I named it years ago. If you remember Gay Not Gay as a thing where something that has zero content about same sex attracted men or women, uh, and yet it is nevertheless super gay, um, a classic within the community being Mommy Dearest. Uh, but if I were to talk about my favorite Gay Not Gay movie ever, it would be Muriel's Wedding. I don't know if you ever saw that. Uh, But Muriel's Wedding is basically the story of a gay man uh, as told through the life of a heterosexual woman. (laughs) Um, It is a wonderful sort of not even coming of age because the movie starts and Muriel's an adult, but it's more about 
coming to become yourself kind of a film and it's it's self-discovery and it's not just about sexual identity it's just about discovering you're not the person that you thought you were for good and for ill and adapting to that and trying to become the best possible version of yourself um and it it's just wonderful it's this wonderful Australian mid 90s movie very uplifting it's got that kind of uh, the kind of open ended not everything is tied off kind of ending movie that that you would find at like you know a film festival uh but it it sort of comes off as this this fluff piece but it's like weirdly deep and i know i've met a lot of 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 lgbt individuals who've identified with that movie and it's that sort of phenomenon of you know you don't need like if if you are you know you know me as a uh, uh french canadian gay man with a vision disability i don't need to see a french canadian gay man with a vision disability in a film to see myself in that film a lot of people see themselves in the character of muriel hyssop she's just a wonderful sort of avatar for our shared experience and that kind of of phenomenon, and I, I've never met anybody other than other gay men who still to this day talk about Muriel's wedding. It's this weird phenomenon, and I think that there's there's something to be said for that as well. That sort of like or like the Wiz, you know, like the I don't know if you've ever seen the Wiz. Uh, it's the I'm adaptation. Sure. It's the adaptation of the Wizard of Oz, where um, Dorothy is played by Donna Summer, and Michael Jackson is the Scarecrow, and it's the entire thing is rewritten to be funk soul and disco. It's better than what you think it is. And it's exactly what it says on the tin. It's a wonderful movie, but like it's, I don't know. It, I would definitely recommend, you know, torch song trilogy. I would recommend um, maybe even Jeffrey. That might be a bit of a stretch, but I'm a cheerleader. It's kind of low budget, but it, it's, it's got sincerity and heart to it. But also, yeah, movies like Muriel's Wedding. I think that there's a lot to be said for that sort of, you know, movies that aren't directly about it, but are also kind of about it in its own way. You know, it makes me think perhaps a, a more, uh, an example for younger folks, maybe not that young, but younger folks, uh, bearing in mind that the movie just turned, I think, in either 20 or 25, mm. and that's Mean Girls. Oh, um, you know, but, very but, gay, not gay. Actually, no, there is a gay man in that movie, though. Actually, uh, all of the key leading men have since come out as gay. <laughs> there is not a single man in that movie uh -huh. who hasn't come out as gay. Uh -huh. Um, no, absolutely, you know, and it makes me think of um, Were the World Mine in 2008, but there's also going to be that there's you know, there's consistently new movies coming out that are. Um, that people are going to catch on to, you know, this generation's yeah, movies, yeah. I think are going to be different from the last, but and I do because if you want to talk about authorial intent, like what did the, the, the writer or director intend? A lot of movies actually fall off. So like a lot of people don't think of fight club as being a gay movie, but the book was written by Chuck Palahniuk and, and the book was written from the tension of gay men dealing with their masculinity while also being gay. That was sort of the, the hidden perspective of that book. And yeah, the main character who was nameless throughout the book did have that relationship with, was it Marla or Martha? Marla. Um, but Fight Club was intended to be a gay book or a gay movie for gay men, but it ended up not being that. 
it's really peculiar. There there are movies of that that sort like um not a lot of people really dial in on uh, Brokeback Mountain as being a gay movie. It definitely was, and it hit popular appeal. But if I were to make a list of the most important gay films to see, that might be on there, but like not in the top no, twenty. No, it's always it's one of those things where we talked in the summer about uh, Pride playlist, and it really is. It's the what are big commercial successes. That's what queer culture is. You know, I'm thinking about Brokeback Mountain. The Danish girl is often pointed to. The birdcage is often pointed to, you know, but, you know, realistically, I'm talking about Wild, the movie about Oscar Wilde. I'm talking about Edge of Seventeen or Bent. You know, these stories that are maybe a little bit more forgotten about. And I think... Or The Hanging Garden. mm, Yeah. I think what I'm really kind of circling around here is we talked before about Mm -hmm. the idea of culture being vertical or horizontal um just for our listeners sake uh horizontal culture is uh for example how you might learn sorry vertical culture is what you learn from your parents uh from your siblings from your your children Uh, it's hereditary um, mm-hmm. But then horizontal culture is from what you learn from your peers. Mm-hmm. So the best thing, way to think about it is, you know, what does it mean to be a French Canadian, you know, in, in where you are uh, versus what does it mean to be deaf? Right. You know what I mean? And there is, de- there is a distinct deaf culture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, you don't necessarily learn what it means to be deaf from your parents and likewise from, from older generations. And I think queer culture is horizontal. I think it yeah. is something that we need to learn from our peers. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, this catalog of movies ranging from short bus to the shelter, you know, really helps to build up this picture of what it means to be queer. And, and uh, especially from a Western lens, for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure when we look outside of North America, there's a lot of things that uh, that haven't been included today. I mean, Happy Together is a, a seminal film in Hong Kong. We will be talking about Hong Kong soon as well. Check out the podcast. Listen back. I think we name dropped maybe 20 gay movies uh, <laughs> over the course of this particular segment. Uh, there is so much in there. Um, you know, a lot of mine. This is Stockholm by Le Petit Nouveau Band. We'll be back just after this.
welcome back to Cancrea, home of Canada's queer media. That was uh, Stockholm by Le Petit Niveau. Uh, I think Aline Homsey was the violinist. And earlier we had made an allusion to mm -hmm. the gay games and Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. Now, the gay games, which have uh, brought together LGBTQ uh, athletes since mm -hmm. 1982, um, had a bit of a hiatus during the pandemic. Lots and lots of major international sports mm -hmm. brought, uh, you know, had this hiatus. Um, it was supposed to be in Hong Kong, um, I want to say in 22, maybe, or 21. And then uh, over in Guadalajara, Guadalajara in Western Mexico um, in this year, mm -hmm. uh, they, due to the pandemic, actually decided to twin the two of them together and have them both happen this year. So it has been uh, a bit of a trip. But um, yeah, they split it. It's underway. I think the swimming is happening right now. Uh, is there anything that's been catching your attention, uh, Sebastian? Well, uh, I mean, we could talk about the history of the gay games, but I would like to point out that uh, this year in Hong Kong, they have introduced for the very first time a dodgeball event which I think I like is that. kind of weirdly adorable and hilarious to have, um, you know, big gay dodgeball as a, as a, I mean, some people have referred to it as the gay Olympics. It's kind of like the Olympics. It kind of, uh, kind of isn't. Um, it's more like the Olympics than it isn't really, but it lacks that sort of, you know, international Olympic committee and it, it lacks a lot of the politics. It's really just an event, a sporting event to get people together so they, they can compete uh, which gives a space to people who often feel like they have nowhere they can compete. Um, in current year, in some countries, that's less of an issue than it was when it was founded. But obviously, this is an international thing. There's plenty of, of countries that still have issues. Even here in Canada, famously, uh, I mean, we've been talking about this for a couple of months now. Hockey has been sort of running into issues where a lot of hockey players may not feel comfortable. So that's sort of the 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 backbone of why this exists and uh, sort of a, a thing to point out is I can't remember what year, but there's one year where there was more heterosexual computers than LGBT ones. And it was really just because it lacks that international Olympic committee. Uh, there are in many ways, far fewer barriers to entry. It's the usual thing, you know, no doping, no drugs, no performance enhancing, anything other than just regular training but other than that i mean whatever country you're from if you are here we are going to assume that you're with the program and you're cool with it and the country you're from if they're a bunch of you know tootie butt butts then that's their business you're just here to swim or jog or climb or put the thing in the hole or pass the line or whatever it is that you're doing in your given sport and you should be allowed to play. And there have been years where there are more non-LGBT people than LGBT people. And it just has to do with, you know, the politics of the day and what's going on. Uh, I haven't, they don't normally, um, it's not like they take a census, but generally speaking in most years, yeah, it, it's predominantly um, LGBT folks just getting together to do some sports. Uh, this year, including dodgeball and mahjong, and I think that might just be because it's it's in Hong Kong. They're just why not, and they're referring to it as a table sport. 
if you were to ask me what a table sport is before this, I would say ping pong and about nothing else. But yeah, they're <laughs> they're including they're including mahjong in this. And uh, uh, some listeners may know that I actually used to live in Hong Kong, and I watched the little old ladies play mahjong, and it was. If there were such a thing as full contact mahjong, uh, it's 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 probably happening out there because some of those little old ladies they get the elbows involved. It's kind of hilarious, but yeah. So that's that's the that would be my sort of general overview and background. I don't know that much about the Guadalajara side. Well, uh, they both of them have had security concerns. So the both games are expected to draw. They they were estimating about twelve thousand people, right. um, but there are concerns that things may not go to uh, go to plan. So Guadalajara is in uh, western Mexico. I think the U.S. State Department has a uh, maybe don't go there warning mm-hmm. uh, for travel to that uh, city. Uh, in fact, one of the uh, organizers who was attending a conference ahead of the gay games. Uh, got mugged, beaten up, and uh, the money stolen um, mm. whilst he was in Guadalajara. So he's like, yeah, no, this is maybe not the best, mm-hmm. but I think there's a difference between one guy toodling around after a conference versus a large event happening, lots of people, yeah. you know, tourists, mm-hmm. safety in numbers, that kind of stuff. But it is, you know, maybe yeah. not the safest. I was going to say, this press earlier in the year from... LGBTQ activists out of Hong Kong mm-hmm. who were arguing that maybe hosting a GLBT kind of, uh, you know, sporting event in Hong Kong in light of the uh, change in law under the now Chinese administration of the city, mm-hmm. um, the crackdown on LGBTQ rights amongst other rights in the city. Uh, you know, a lot of folks had to flee uh, mm-hmm. Hong Kong, um, you know, recently, right, you know, the last couple of years. Um, and this doesn't necessarily strike that balance. In fact, uh, Taiwan has pulled all of their athletes from the gay games, uh, particularly the ones going to Hong Kong, uh, out of fear of reprisals against their athletes who may be operating under the banner uh, and flag of Taiwan. So, yeah, no, it's it, there, there are some concerns. Um, but I think overall, it, it seems to be, you know, people are expecting things to go well. It is still an SAR. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, Hong Kong is a special administrative region. It, it's, it is in China and it's under Chinese rule, but they're permitted to have slightly different laws. They actually have, had, um, I'm not going to say better, but I will say less bad uh, human rights for for LGBT folks in Hong Kong uh, for about as long as the rest of the world has been talking about maybe having LGBT rights. Um, so uh, placing it there, I mean, there's, there's not many places you can go in Southeast Asia that have the sort of the, the facilities for one. Cause like, for example, you might need a velodrome, not all cities mm-hmm. can afford to install a velodrome. I don't know if they're actually doing a biking event there, but um your general places you'd be looking at, you know, Taiwan, Hong Kong, uh, somewhere in Japan, somewhere in South Korea, possibly the Philippines. Um, and there is outs- no biking. There were no There's, bikes, no bike games. No bikes, not There's even some track and field. Nope, no, no bike games. No, I'm sorry about that. Figure skating, cheerleading, you know, powerlifting, softball, all the gay sports. 
Dodgeball. Dodgeball. Dragon Boat Rating is one of my... I'm very very excited about that. Um, But you're right. This is the first time that the gay games are being held in Asia. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, no, it is a big deal. Like I think we were talking last week about um, the largest pride in Asia happened recently with about a you know, 100,000 people showing up for it, which was uh, a, a huge gathering. So I think there's going to definitely be some attendance, but some folks are warning that with it being split across two cities and not in one, mm-hmm. you're making people choose between, you know, are they going to be doing the dodgeball in Hong Kong or are they going to be doing the dodgeball in Guadalajara? You know, if they want golf, they can't go to Asia and it'll it'll split people because it was over the same number of days and the exact same dates. Um, they're also concerned that the series chosen uh, may also deter people. And there's a potential knock-on effect from that. Mm-hmm. If less people show up this time, if there's any kind of trouble this time, mm-hmm. our sponsors going to be wanting to come for you know the events in a couple of years for the next one. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I mean, I do think it makes a difference. It's a lot of fun, and I know a lot of people go to it. But uh, yeah, it's it's there's definitely a lot of open questions as to how it'll turn out. Well, there was the same concerns years ago when it was in was it Brazil or Argentina? What was the last one? Because I remember years ago we covered when uh, the gay games was in South uh, South America, and there's a lot of security concerns then as well. And it turned out, by and large, fine. There there were a few incidents, but it turned out to be random muggings. It was basically there's a person with an expensive looking phone. It wasn't a targeted attack. It wasn't homophobic. They weren't hanging around the facilities in order to, to, you know, do any gay bashing. It was, there were a few incidents that were reported, but it seemed to be just random incidents in the streets, which unfortunately can happen just around stadiums in general. I mean, you hear stories about people who go to see a baseball game in New York state and, you know, they get shook down and it just happens. Um, Whether we like it or not, a large number of people in one place a lot of them have a lot of money to spend on i don't know hot dogs or whatever uh because of course you know it's 50 dollars a hot dog anytime you go to a sporting event um slight exaggeration but only by five percent and um yeah so the a lot of the security concerns in the past uh they accounted for it and i think I'm not overly worried. I think that that's probably what's going to happen here as well, that by and large, the events are more likely to be safe than not safe, just because we've Mm -hmm. seen similar events in sort of, I don't want to say similar cities, but cities with similar security concerns. And it did largely boil down to, you know, don't take shortcuts down unsupervised alleys, you know, stick with the group um don't make any dumb decisions be respectful to people who are giving you a the stink eye um you know basic street smarts and you'll be fine like there were no there were no major incidents that happened as a result of this and i i think by and large that's probably what we're going to see out of out of hong kong and guadalajara hong kong you're more likely to see um the state kind of looking at you you know, giving you the side eye if you do anything political. And that's probably not going to happen in Mexico. Mexico is pretty, pretty uh, at, at the federal level. Anyway, they're definitely progressive. And then Mexico, you're probably more likely to see random events on the street. But I think it'll probably check out 
basically it can't be in australia every time (laughs) exactly i'm (laughs) I'm sure they would love that to be the case but uh you know unfortunately that's not it um well we will keep an eye on it uh we haven't seen any of the results yet i was looking around on all of their social channels uh, to see if they posted the the results of the swimming um but nothing just yet it is worth noting uh that in other news i think we're coming up to the um the 75th anniversary of the universal declaration of human rights um just this part this just this year and there was a uh, 13 experts under the UN Special Procedures for the Human Rights Council have just released a policy position um, around ending gender-based discrimination uh, and sex characteristic-based discrimination in sports. So queer representation, trans representation, gendered sports, always a topic of conversation and uh, we will continue to monitor the world of gay news for those as they unfold but for now mm-hmm. we are going to be jumping to who's that man from Fortwak and we will be back just after this so you said you just can't take it but baby I just can't fake it it is what it is like they say But baby, I really love you in my own way. But it just cannot make you stay. Who's that man hanging around you everywhere you go? Who's that guy? Is he your friend or foe? Who's that man? He seems to like every photo of you on Instagram. Oh, that man. So handsome, so sweet and so nice. He likes you, I'd say. Moving on. I should remember who I used to be without you. And be strong. Is there a life without you for me? Really? And come on, what a narcissist you were, actually, seriously. Who's that man? I don't care who that is, he just needs to go.
moving on I should remember who I used to be without you and be strong is there a life without you for me really and come on what a narcissist you were actually seriously who's that man no please don't tell me do I want to know hello and welcome back to can queer home of Canada's queer medium my name is Luke Smith I am Sebastian and just returning to Asia for a moment, we mm -hmm. didn't quite cover this before, and I'm glad you were reminded of me of it during the musical break here. Mm -hmm. um, we keep an eye on laws that come and go, and there was one challenge in South Korea. Mm -hmm. Now, this particular law has been challenged four times in the last 20 years. It, it, you know, every every few years or so, every change in government, there is typically a challenge to this particular law. What Laura I'm referring to here is under the, the Military Criminal Act in South Korea, bearing in mind that there is, uh, I believe, mandatory, uh, not subscription, prescription, no. Conscription. Conscription, there we go. Yes. It's like yes. prescriptions? No, that's yeah. not right. Yeah. Um, uh, Able-bodied men between the ages of 18 and 28. Uh, famously, you hear about uh, K-pop groups who occasionally will uh, will go do their military service, and yeah. it's it's really a, a matter of significant pride um, mm -hmm. and deference in in mm -hmm. South Korea. Um, yeah, and with that being said, you know, obviously we're going to approach this uh, with respect. But there was a ruling a little while ago from the Supreme Court where they overturned a military court conviction of two soldiers who had been sentenced to suspended prison terms for a consensual same-sex relationship. Mm -hmm. So the Supreme Court overturned that ruling where there was a consensual relationship. The military courts give them two to a uh, two-year suspended sentence uh, and the Supreme Court over overturned that in, in its entirety. Now, what activists in South Korea have been arguing for is saying like, look, okay, clearly... The law isn't, it's a bad law. It's not working. Like the mm -hmm. Supreme Court has turned overturned it. Yeah. It's not a it's not a great law. Um, but in a five to four decision just recently, the uh South Korean Supreme Court actually opted to keep this particular provision in the law. And what it does is um it uh, the law bans same-sex relations within the armed forces, specifically citing a risk to combat readiness. Um, and a few other things. So they really they've kept the law there, mm -hmm. but it's maybe not particularly enforced. Yeah, I I get it, and the reason why I get it is as with other courts, mm -hmm. sometimes Supreme Courts go, look, we can make the kind of decision here, which you know puts a chill on some laws but really it's on the legislature to make yeah. the change you know what i mean like this is 
you know, this isn't uh, um, legislation by court decision. You know, this has to be something coming from elsewhere. And in this case, that is what I suspect that this is. I think that this is simply uh, the Supreme Court knowing that this law is pretty untenable. Mm -hmm. You know, the complete banning of consensual same-sex relationships between the entire able-bodied male population between Mm -hmm. 18 and 24, um, if they ever attend military service. I mean, it's, it's asking a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what my that, that was my takeaway from this is that they are really punting it back to legislature. It's also inconsistent. Well, I mean, okay, yeah, absolutely, and I I agree with that fully as well. There there's incidents like that here in Canada where the courts step in or the uh, the various um, provincial level human rights courts step in and and you know they they rule this that or the other they come out with statements. Um, I agree with them being able to veto things because it's unconstitutional or because it contradicts other laws or it puts you into a sort of a catch-22 situation but it it is their, not their job to actually write the laws that should be um the electorate and uh for the courts to step in and say uh, we're not going to veto this law but you need to edit it it's badly written i think that's also fair there's a few countries where the courts have the ability to do that to say your, your laws are are whatever we can't stop it but we hate how you wrote it it's ambiguous um i think in canada the courts can give recommendations but they can't necessarily veto it on those grounds i might be vague on that the canadian system no really we, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago where the you know the federal government and i think others can ask the supreme court for a question on a mm. Uh, propose laws constitutionality before they even make it a law so you can't strike down a law that's not a law but you can certainly give feedback on what you think of it and they can which i think is a good mechanism and and they can also watch the law get passed and sit back and just wait for the first person to complain about it and then jump on it and then help fix it but um in the case of uh, south korea i mean you have this weird contradiction where it is uh, you have conscription so everybody has to go all right. And then now you also have this law and it feels like you can't have both at the same time. It kind of just feels like a trap. It feels unfair. And if the motivation is uh, that it undermines, I don't know, group cohesion or your ability to engage in disciplinary action and whatnot, then th- two things. First of all, if a conscripted soldier has a consensual relationship with a non-soldier that un- that skirts around the whole thing but there's no exception for that the other thing is uh what about there are women as well there's not obligatory conscription but women can volunteer there are women in the south korean military and there's no ban against that for the same reason or at least none that i can find so i believe the language is same sex okay so So then it's 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 really bizarre and targeted like if they were to say across the board you know soldiers can't have sex or consensual relationships of any variety with other soldiers, it is unprofessional, it is untoward, it is whatever, it undermines... Distracting. Distracting, it, it, it undermines the chain of command, blah, blah, blah. There, There's rules like that. Actually, I think there's rules like that in the U.S. where, like, if you get into a relationship with somebody, you have to switch divisions. You can't be under the same chain of command. You can, you can date somebody in the military, but you have to be under different commanding officers or something like that. Um... There's ways of making it happen, but this really is just targeted. And if they were to say across the board, no, I'd be like, you know what? At least they're consistent. 
and at least uh, I don't agree with them, but I can understand where they're coming from. I don't know. Th- this this just feels like hypocrisy, misapplication, well, or something. You know. I think that there is so much around honor in South Korean culture and and in a lot of uh, Southeast Asian countries that this really is a question of honorable conduct. Um, Do I think a same-sex relationship is dishonorable? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is a law that's been on the books for a long time. This is an ethos and an understanding that's permeated culture for so long, you know, that I can understand where the Supreme Court is like, no, we're not going to touch this. This is one of those those classic cases of everybody wins when you don't enforce this kind of thing. Because then you can just have normal, you know, neutral, platonic, non-sexual friendships between men without without them worrying about being called out for potentially being gay lovers just because two guys mm-hmm. hang out with each other more than other people. Well, I mean, it's camaraderie in yeah. in all of the senses of the word, you know, and I think that that, uh, you know, being in the armed forces is not a walk in the park. You mm-hmm. know, this is something, it is a crucible which often brings people, you know, uh, yeah. together and pushes them apart as well. But, you know, it's, I don't know, we'll have to see what happens next. But for now, we, mm-hmm. I believe, have run out of time. Mm-hmm. We're getting there. Exactly. So we are playing out with Annabelle Trustek's uh, song Firefly. I have been Luke Smith. And I have been Sebastian. Thank you for listening. That smile is for me. I'm going to put it in my pocket. Put it in my pocket. Keep it for when I need. Nothing's going to stop it. Nothing's going to stop it. Love, you just love That's what I love about you You just love